lot of people are deciding that they're just going to take their chances and that it's too uncomfortable or that they don't buy into the research saying that they should wear a mask and socially distant. And um, I think what we're seeing with those numbers is a direct result of that. Alrighty, welcome in, boys and girls, to another fine week of your favorite podcast. Oh, by the way, uh, before we go any further, I, uh, Chip uh, Chip sent me some of the numbers uh, for this thing from last week, and I got to say, really, really good. Uh, really? really, I mean, you know, we've we've joked before about it being, you know, the number one weekly podcast on politics <laughs> in the state of Alabama. Uh, about but because we're the only one. yeah, exactly. But legitimately, it's it's I would I, I don't think that there's another podcast. In, in the state of Alabama, weekly or otherwise, that that outdoes us. I, I don't. I don't think wow. so. I what, don't. What are the numbers? I don't. I don't uh, know. Well, you know, you hesitate to get into the proprietary information, oh, but uh, I you see. know, okay. uh, but they are. Uh, they're, they're good. with me offline. Yeah, I will. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see. I don't know if well, I trust. I'm part you. of the team. I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, I've heard I've heard from uh, from the folks in the Huntsville, the Huntsville PD. I shouldn't. Uh, you. You're identified as a uh, as a provocateur, rabble uh, yeah, antifa sympathizer. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, wait a minute, social media influencer. I don't even uh, know what antifa is exactly. Well, it's, uh, listen, it doesn't really matter so much, and it also doesn't matter if you call somebody a social media influencer and he only has seven Twitter followers. Uh, but you know, that's how it works sometimes. <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but listen, that's uh, that I am uh, Josh Moon, and that is uh, troublemaker David Person. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else is taking on that role for a, little, for a change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of which, I uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through the Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that was yesterday. Was it yesterday, I was scrolling through the Twitter and uh, I see a tweet from AL.com folks about uh, with a photo of, of a protest in, in downtown Huntsville, uh, and and there's a man in a suit. And I just don't pay very much attention to it at all. Uh, you know, just a man in a suit out there talking about, you know, the Confederate monument needs to come down. And then I read the little caption there and it says, uh, local or uh, local resident or media member. I can't remember how it was described. David person. <laughs> just, uh, and I went, Whoa, wait a minute. First of all, I feel cheated on the fact that, uh, what the hell is up with the suit there? And then that's the reason why I don't recognize you. Roll out. I guess the you know, things we take seriously, we just dress on up for. Yes, t-shirt and uh, shorts for being yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But so, uh, what was the what was the story out uh, now? Yeah. So you know, as as you and I have been talking about on the podcast here, uh-huh. um, you know the. The status of these Confederate monuments across the state uh, is in jeopardy, and rightly so. Yes. People and communities across the state are, are not just the statues, but names on buildings mm-hmm. and and other displays. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we here who are lifelong, or or in my case, not lifelong, but certainly a longtime resident of mm-hmm. Madison County in Huntsville. You know, we we have been bothered for quite some t- time about this statue, this mm-hmm. this generic tribute to Confederate soldiers at the Madison County Courthouse. Mm-hmm. You know, if that if that statue was on private property, I could care less. Yeah, but it's on public property, mm-hmm. which 
is a, a is a tacit endorsement of it by government mm-hmm. and also requires some kind of expenditure of government resources to keep the thing clean and get the p- pigeon doo-doo off of it and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our position is, like with everybody else across the state who's in, involved in these Move the Monument movements or activities is, it needs to be moved. Mm-hmm. Move it. Get rid of it. Tear mm-hmm. it down. And so State Representative Laura Hall, our friend, uh-huh. and I, uh, working in conjunction with the Rosa Parks Day Planning Committee here in Huntsville-Madison County, decided to join with the Tennessee Valley Progressive Alliance and and push the efforts that that alliance has already been making. They're the alliance that has more than $25,000 in the bank ready to go mm-hmm. to pay the fee. Yep. So we're saying to the Madison County Commission... Take it down now. Why are you waiting? Hmm. Why are you waiting? What's the point in waiting? You can take it down now, pay the fee, and then sign the memorandum of understanding with the state attorney general, and it's a done deal. Yeah. Well, I have a, I guess, uh, you know, the the argument there is if you if you take it down, mm-hmm. would we know that the Civil War happened? Because I think you know you're erasing history at that point. Oh, David. I see what you mean. Uh, and yeah. and I listen. Hmm. I I'll say this, and, and not many people know about this. Okay. 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 Uh, several several years ago, decades ago now at this point, mm-hmm. um, there was a wall between East and Berlin. Yeah. And now you probably haven't because they tore it down and now nobody knows anything about it. Yeah, that's right. You know, I I, I only hear vague whisperings about some uh, Second World War. It was, uh, listen, some guy named Hitler or something. Some stuff happened. Yeah. There were, Good yeah. people on both sides. Always. Uh, They're always good people uh, on both always. sides. Always. And, yeah. and now nobody knows what happened. And so yeah. that's the risk you run. Of, so we, yeah. So then it, so we, we don't want it to be forgotten because right. nobody talks about it anywhere no else. More, no more. There are no Confederate, you know, museums no, in this state. No, no, There's no, you know, giant flag flying on the highway that people could see. Right. You know, to remind them of it. So, yeah, that's a good, you know, there are no Confederate soldiers no. buried any place around here. <laughs> You're making a really interesting point there, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. I try. Um, sarcasm aside, and yes. I don't know if anyone picked up on the sarcasm. Yes. Uh, but it would it would seem to me mm-hmm. to make a much stronger argument about your uh, wishes to remember and recognize and record history properly. Uh, so people understand uh, the mistakes that could be made and the issues that could arise and, and that, those sorts of things. If when you were displaying these things, you displayed the proper things and not things that were, uh, say, that came along 100 years later just and were turned into something that they're not, like, say, the Confederate flag, quote-unquote Confederate flag, right. uh, because the "Quote unquote Confederate flag uh, that you see flying, you know the stars and bars or whatever the thing that they call it, the Southern Cross mm-hmm. uh, flag was actually not the flag of the Confederate States. Never was. There were three flags, and none of them were that one. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it just seems to me if you're going to make that argument that it would be a much stronger argument if that were the actual flag of the Confederacy. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I would not support you flying it at all, right, uh, even right. then, but it would, it would, and you know, let, let's say, let's say, for example, you were going to create a patch 
to put on all of our state trooper uniforms. Mm-hmm. And you were going to include all of the flags uh, that flew over the state of Alabama. You know, there are a lot of a lot of different country flags uh, there that, that, that could be included on that, which are included on that. And you're going to also include the flag of the Confederate United States, uh, Confederate states. Um, wouldn't you think you'd choose the right one? Wouldn't you think you'd choose the flag that was actually the flag of the? Uh, I mean, there were there there were three. There was one more prominent. I think that that uh, the Georgia flag, I believe, is is based on. Mm. Uh, so so there 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 is one that's more prominent, but you never see it. You never see that flag, mm. uh, and, and you just wonder why that is. And and then you kind of go back and you you look at history and the way that KKK uh, started using that flag, and you know the. Dixie Kratz started using that flag uh, back in the 30s and 40s and into the 50s and uh, even through today with the, uh, the Nazis using that flag. That's right. Um, even to this very day. Yeah. Um, in you fact, know. all over the world where you see these hate movements, mm-hmm. that's usually one of the symbols you're going to yeah. see. Yeah. Because even, they understand what it means yeah. here. Right. Well, what it represents here. And, and it also represented, uh, you know, people needing to get a haircut a few weeks ago, uh, you know, when, when the white people just couldn't take the <laughs> take the shutdown anymore. It was, uh, they were waving the rebel flag and going out. Uh, you know, it, that just is, it always yeah. uh, has bothered me, the, the stupidity of the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, and these people that, that scream about you know their heritage and not hate and and this sort of thing and look i i get to a certain degree that some of it is um you know having having a lot of grown up in this growing up in this state having a lot of friends that were idiots uh and myself being an idiot uh for for the most part um i understand that not all of that is based own race for a lot of people mm-hmm. um oh the older you get the harder it is to argue that it's not based on race okay and, and um, exactly and there's a simple reason for that mm-hmm. because once you're older and you and you're able to move past whatever mommy and daddy or mm-hmm. nana and papa are teaching you right and you're able to read for yourself mm-hmm. what the founders of the confederacy confederacy said it was about yeah you can't deny it anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, run out of excuses you, at that point. You can't deny it. Now, you know, there's some people that still try. Yeah. yeah. Which astounds me. They still try. But when it's there in black and white, mm-hmm. when Alexander Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy, gives this long speech called the Cornerstone Speech, mm-hmm. making it explicitly clear mm-hmm. that the Confederacy was designed to create the first government based on white supremacy. Yep. What else do you need to I, read and hear? There's there's nothing. I mean, you could read all the secession papers from from there too, and those make it quite clear as yeah. well that this whole thing was about slavery and 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 maintaining that lifestyle there. Uh, but you know, I, I do think a good chunk of it for younger people yeah. is is rebellion. Uh, you know, it's a it's a something that they've been told they're not supposed to do, and so they kind of gravitate towards it, and you know, and it's a rebellious sort of a thing, and it's not, uh, you know, and then maybe in in some level of ignorance they they will you know claim that it's a it's a heritage sort of thing it's stupid i mean they, you you talk to them for 30 seconds and you realize they have no idea what the hell they're talking about mm-hmm. so uh but you know that said uh you, you know we have uh we had this problem uh in with nascar uh, you know that that started with the banning of that flag, uh, and then went uh, you know and and was the movement was pushed by the the 
uh, the only real black driver in the sport. Uh, you know, the prominent black driver, Bubba Wallace, who uh, was born in Mobile, grew up mostly in North Carolina, but was born in Mobile and has been around and, and has been, you know, probably the, the most successful black driver to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, I'd like to see him have a little more success, but, you know, still. Uh, and, and he said, you know, what a lot of people have been saying for a long time now, which is that flag – uh, flown so prominently at nascar events and uh, throughout the country uh, and especially in the south deters black fans from going to races mm-hmm. uh, and, and as i pointed out in the column earlier this week you know this idea among people that that black people just don't like racing is nonsense i mean it is nonsense i mean the, the, you go to a uh, go to a track sometime a drag race track and look at the number of, of black guys that are out there you know tinkering with engines and and, and you know and racing cars and stuff it's nonsense that yeah. they don't like that, that, that right. they don't like racing and, and cars and things like that it, it's what has deterred them from that sport has has been the attitude of the people and, and that flag went along with that and he wanted to make it more inclusive which my god what is the big deal you know what right, i mean right. why are you so tired if somebody comes up to you and say hey man you know that this you know the history of that thing and i i'd like to come to your races but you know that thing is offensive to me and well what what the what are you tied to this piece of cloth for right, right. you know why would it be a problem any more than it should it shouldn't be a problem if some black guy was waving a flag that had you know white crackers on it. yeah i mean you know but that way saltines or ritz because i couldn't give up the saltines i don't think <laughs> well well ritz has a tan right aren't they a little brown well that's true that's saltines true. are like really white yeah, saltines are the really white ones. Yeah. well i may actually got saltines or oyster crackers because i could give up oyster crackers that's so can get rid of those in a hurry yeah I, I don't even mess with oyster crackers mm. personally that's just that's I mean, not part of my diet too. well i'm but I like a good saltine every now. I'm more cultured in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it shouldn't be a problem. In right, other yeah, words, no. you know, it's it's because as you said, it's it, we're talking about something that, you know, I go back to to the old premise of most of what we needed to learn. We learned mm-hmm. in kindergarten. Yeah. You know, and yeah. in kindergarten you're taught to treat your classmates, your fellow students mm-hmm. with dignity, respect inclusiveness not to bully all of these things that as we get older for some reason we chuck in the wastebasket yeah they stop caring and it becomes like a sense of pride to you to be able to offend somebody yeah i've just never i've never understood that that mindset and that attitude that people have for those things it just has always been so idiotic to me especially when it comes to this what the hell do i care about a flag for you know the rebel flag it's not even the flag of the united states you know and my my question is why do you have to fly it there if you want to fly it at your house yeah by all means do it free speech i've just never i'm why there yeah and the people got so upset about it and so uh, last Sunday, uh, as I'm, I'm sure everybody, I'm not like breaking news here at all now past this. But you know, last Sunday they had the incident where uh, after after the cars lined Speedway Boulevard getting into the track to fly their rebel flags, uh, and after somebody, uh, the Sons of Confederate Veterans, which Will Dismukes is a member, uh, uh, rented a plane to fly a banner that said to fund NASCAR and had a picture of the flag, the Confederate flag or rebel flag, uh, uh, on there, there was a noose found in the garage stall of Bubba Wallace. It was reported. Wallace didn't see it because in this 
day and age of COVID, the drivers are not allowed into the garage area. Uh, so they go straight from their haulers to the track. Uh, and the car is waiting for them on pit road. They don't go into the garage area at all. So it was found by a member of his team. That team member reported it to the crew chief. The crew chief went and took a look at it and said, yeah, that don't look great. Uh, and they reported it to NASCAR. NASCAR came around, took a look at it and said, yeah, we're going to call some folks about that. That ain't right. Uh, and so they called the FBI. Uh, actually, they called local law enforcement who then passed it along to the FBI and that's uh, told them they needed to handle it. So uh, we went through this investigation it turns out it appears that the noose has been uh, hanging in that garage stall for a while uh, because it was a garage door pull uh, that somebody had fashioned the rope from the garage door into a noose and hung it there. And I assume maybe nobody from from the team noticed it to begin with, or maybe somebody did. And it, and this particular guy and the crew chief didn't notice it when they walked in. You know, you got a million things going on in your mind. Uh, you know, this sort of thing happens i guess i you know i I don't know but so so they go in and 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 of course then it becomes oh it was a hoax it was a this it was a that and then today uh steve phelps who's the president of nascar gave his first real interview on the thing and started sharing some details about this and they went about uh searching uh all of the garage areas at all of the tracks at the the 29 tracks that, mm-hmm. that nascar uses mm-hmm. uh looked at all 1160 some odd garage stalls there were 11 which used a rope with a knot in it and there was one that had been fashioned into a noose mm-hmm. uh so now, while this thing may have been there for some time, and uh, and also just before there's any other conspiracy theories or anything like that, uh, garage stalls are assigned based on the points uh, where you where you are in the point standing. That's where uh, that's where you get to land uh, in in garage stalls. So that's how Bubba Wallace ended up in in garage stall number four at at, at Talladega. And mm-hmm. so it seems as though now it was. Uh, an incredibly unfortunate coincidence that he ended up in this garage stall that had the only garage door pull that had been fashioned into a noose in the entirety of NASCAR. Uh, And nobody noticed it going in. And then somebody did during what where it took place was is they were on the track and it was raining on Sunday and so they, when you, when that happens there's a lot of back and forth sort of stuff that takes place uh, among those guys going where they're waiting out the rain and doing all the stuff that needs to happen. One of them went back to the garage, noticed it, reported it to the crew chief, so, and so that's when it happened. So all this tells me is that perhaps Bubba Wallace wasn't the target. No, but. But I would still maintain that there is something more than just coincidental and unusual about the fact that out of out of all of the ones that mm-hmm. used a rope mm-hmm. to pull down, <clears throat> that this one in particular, for whatever reason, was shaped like a noose. A noose yeah. And I would also argue that in my many years of living, and seeing ropes used in a variety of circumstances. Mm-hmm. It is extremely rare. In fact, I can argue, I don't think I've ever seen, mm-hmm. outside of outside of a rope being fashioned specifically to invoke, you know, thoughts of lynching and racial terrorism, I don't think I've ever seen a rope knotted in such a way in mm-hmm. just routine life. Yeah, I, and I, was, I thought about that myself. I, You know, I... 
I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've known a few people who, who were, you know, who, who knew how to tie a noose, you know, in that way. And then sometimes they would, you know, be sitting around somewhere and they would, you would see them tie up, a, you know, something and, and do that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, it just, uh, I, and I could also, I could also see it not being uh, a nefarious sort of a thing, you know, uh, uh, that where, you know, whoever was tying it was, was just, you know, killing time, doing whatever, you know what I mean? And I don't know that it could be, but I'll say this, I'll say this for this instant here. Um, If you don't want people to assume that some sort of racist act took place, yeah. Don't act like a bunch of damn racist all the other rest of the time. Exactly. Okay, I agree. 100%. Uh, and that's what took yeah. place at Talladega mm-hmm. over the weekend was people acted like a bunch of fools. Mm-hmm. All right, and so it was natural to for the the natural leap was to assume that whatever took place here took place because they were at Talladega and these folks were angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I just. It, I don't know, man. It uh, it it was a. Uh, I hated to see Wallace go through it because Wallace is a good kid and and he is uh, is trying in a tough sport for African Americans. Yeah. Uh, and and I hope I hope that what took place and uh, the support that he got from the sport uh, because as somebody pointed out uh, he got more support in the last forty eight hours or so over the weekend there than uh, Colin Kaepernick has in the last five years hey. in the NFL. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I can't argue with yeah. that. Um, you know, not just him, uh, not just yeah. him in the sport, but also all of the people in NASCAR, the drivers, some of the more famous guys in the sport, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson and some of those guys really taking a stand, really took a stand before any of this happened yeah. uh, to yeah, make sure the uh, the yeah. flags, you know, the flags were gone and stuff. And so I, it, I hope what happens is, you know, the little scene at the end of that race where, where Wallace went over and, uh, and was greeting uh, his fans in the stands. There's a bunch of folks that have been there and a bunch of young black kids that were there. And I'll tell you, I, I've been to a bunch of races. Uh, I'd be shocked for a lot of people I know to, to find out that I'm basically, a, I have redneck tendencies <laughs> in, in terms of uh, of what I like sports-wise and things. But I've been to a lot of races a lot of times, and I've I've never seen a bunch of young black kids there. Wow. Uh, wow. So wow. I, I hope that that is a change that, that comes from it anyways. And all right, uh, we will get right back here. We have a we have a good guest to talk about the other big story uh, in the yeah. state, which is uh, the COVID. Uh, the COVID uh, is returning, I guess. I, I'm COVID making two. a comeback. COVID two electric boogaloo. Hmm. Uh, so or COVID one extended, I guess. Uh, all right, we'll be back in just a minute. All right, as Josh likes to say, boys and girls, and then I'm also going to throw in there just to be super politically correct, non-binary persons also. Uh, this is uh, Alabama Politics This Week, uh, our interview segment, our big interview segment. And uh, we are real, I think, fortunate to have with us for this interview about the latest on COVID-19, Dr. Stephen Lahing. And Stephen is a professor, <clears throat> an assistant professor of chemistry at my alma mater, Oakland University. And even more important than that, Stephen is an infectious disease expert. And Stephen, welcome to uh, our podcast. And I want to 
start by asking you just to give us a brief kind of synopsis of the work that you have done in the area of infectious diseases. Thank you for having me. Um, my graduate school background at Texas A&M University was working in one of the top labs in the country uh, under Dr. James Sacatini dealing with uh, uh, virulent tuberculosis. And so TB is thought to infect latently 70% of the global population. Um, and so this is still something very much an active fight for the health community. And uh, some of the attributes of it is a respiratory disease they're finding uh, or suspecting that there's some things that are similar with COVID. And so it's been very interesting for me to see how all of this is playing out, especially now that they're even looking at uh, tuberculosis treatments as possible candidates for COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, before I forget, you know, we had Dr. Uh, we had Dr. Peter Hotez on from Baylor uh, a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm sure you know who he is, and and uh, he was saying some very interesting things about COVID and the spread of it. And one of the things that he said that I thought was interesting was he wasn't convinced, <clears throat> pardon me, at the time, and this was a few weeks ago, he wasn't convinced at the time, Dr. Lahing, that there was going to be a huge spike uh, in COVID cases based on the protest. And preliminary data seems to suggest that he he's right about that. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I was skeptical about that as well for a couple of reasons. The first one is that a lot of the footage we saw, a lot of people were wearing their mask out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wearing their mask, whether it's from not wanting to be uh, caught on camera or whether it was for their health, right. they, were, they were wearing masks, right? Yeah. And that's, that's part one, because it drops your chances of getting it roughly five times. Mm. And so that's additive when you have other people around you also wearing your mask, right? The second thing is that they're out in the open air, and the temperature is starting to get up now as we enter the summer season. And so one of the uh, suspicions that they have, hopefully, is that we hope that transmission will drop a bit because of the heat drying out and getting rid of those droplets, and they're not hanging in the air so long. One of the reasons flu season is, is normally in the winter is because that cold air, that, that cold air actually allows those droplets from a cough or sneeze to hang out there longer and be inhaled by someone else to infect them. Gotcha. But, yeah, so it didn't surprise me. Um, I, I don't think that we'll see spikes from those protests, but um, given what we know and what, more importantly, what we're discovering we don't know about this, nothing would surprise me at this point. Uh, there's definitely a spike coming from somewhere uh, in this, and, and I agree. I've I've seen the uh, you know the research on the uh, the protests and how those the those protests don't seem to be affecting uh, the increases in virus cases. But um, what I, I guess if the hope is that the uh, that the warmer weather is going to uh, affect this, like in lessen the virus transmission. What does you know, what 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 is currently going on with a new record set in this state today? New record in California, new record in Florida, almost every other day. Uh, what what do you attribute to that? Is it just carelessness? Yeah, really. I was just looking at the Alabama public health numbers that, that renewed at ten thirty a.m. this morning. Um, you know, another record day. 
I, I think from my limited uh, journeys out into my city here, a lot of people have just given up on the mask. And a lot of people have just decided that they aren't going to wear it anymore. And they're going to go to the beach. They're going to go to businesses and they're going to crowd in those places. And, you know, this is no worse than the flu. And so there's a ton of misinformation out there. Alabama's beaches, last I saw, uh, at least recently, were open. I know there, Florida at one point had open beaches. Um, and so a lot of people are deciding that they're just going to take their chances and that it's too uncomfortable or that they don't buy into the research saying that they should wear a mask and socially distant. And um, I think what we're seeing with those numbers is a direct result of that. If, if I were to say that... Um, if you would just wear a mask when you went to the grocery store or to a big box store, um, if you would, if you would just be willing to wear the mask in those enclosed places, do you think that that would have a dramatic effect on, on what we're seeing? No doubt. One of the better posts I saw was from a researcher from MIT this morning who said, if we told you there was a drug right now, that, that decreased your chances of COVID by five times, would you take it? With no side effects, would you take it? Mm. And that's literally what wearing a mask is, right? Mm. So when you put it in those terms, and of course, you know, ideally people, you want to wear a mask whenever you left your house. But if people only wore their mask in high traffic, high risk areas, and a grocery store is a high risk area because you have so many different people from the community, everyone needs groceries. And so there's no doubt that we have people who are positive who are shopping for groceries and we're all using the same registers, we're walking the same aisles, and we're, and we're, and we're breathing the same air. And so areas, areas especially, areas especially like grocery stores and communal areas uh, are those type of high-risk areas where if you wear a mask, you're really helping yourself. One, one of the things that I've... I've been wondering about for for somebody like you who is in this field, you study these things, you see what's going on, you know what can happen with infectious diseases and and the and the trauma they can cause and how uh, how much uh, you know death and destruction can come from these things. Uh, and we have a fairly simple uh, way of preventing these things from spreading at this point and protecting people's lives. Uh, and people just refuse to do it. And I'm talking about putting on masks and, and just wearing a mask out in public. Does, does that drive you crazy? It does, but I, you know, I'm big on context. And I've realized in the past week of just reading about things just about our country that there there is some context here. We have it hard-coded in us, a lot of us <laughs> Americans, mm -hmm. to just be distrustful and to be almost rebellious. Um, I'm, you know, I, I turned 37 this year. And so I don't really remember this because I was born in the 80s, but maybe you guys do. Uh, there was a huge backlash about uh, requiring seatbelts, having those laws put in place. Uh, people actually in the 70s and 80s were cutting their seatbelts out of their cars in protest. Mm -hmm. Right? In the, in the article I read, it was, it was something like between 2 and 7% of the American population put on a seatbelt every time they drove. Think about that. Yeah, That's percent of people on the road, right? I have aunts and uncles who tell me stories about on long road trips, their parents would let them climb into the back windshield, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. there and 
watch the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad's arm was my seatbelt for a long time. <laughs> and so I don't think that this behavior we're seeing with the mask, I don't think that it's completely new. Right. I believe that it has its roots elsewhere, culturally, somewhere within us as a country and how we view things. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Stephen. There is a rebellious streak that's that's part of the American culture. And then multiply that by like 10 when it comes to the people of this state who are very adamant about not wanting to be told what to do, especially by the federal government, but government, period. And so you do have this. But the unfortunate thing is, again, if you look at the data, and our governor says that she was making decisions based on data, if you look at the data, something is wrong in the state of Alabama. You know, and it's not just Alabama, it's other states as well. And I so wish that Governor Ivy would really be more outspoken about this because if she got up at the microphone and told people the honest truth, that if she, as someone who less than a year ago or a year or so ago had lung cancer surgery, mm-hmm. if she was mm. living, in a home of any of her constituents who are taking this so flippantly, she might be dead. A great point. Yeah, That's an awesome point. And by the way, have you noticed Governor Ivy never wears a mask when she's at the podium? I mean, you know, you'll see other state officials come up and they'll take off a mask. She never has a mask on from start to finish. Crazy because these press conferences are, are possible super spreading situations when you share microphones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because people are speaking right into the mic, and then they're sharing the mic and inhaling right there. That's a great point. So let me ask you before I toss it to Josh to wrap us up. uh, What, when you and I talked several months ago, my recollection is that you thought we would be dealing with this going well into 2021. Uh, what do you still feel the same way? You think that this is still going to be a very real part of life for Alabamians and the nation? Yeah, well, I definitely do. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm a father of two with one on the way. And so a lot of what we do as a, as a family, a young family, is we, we're really tuned into the Disney universe. <laughs> Josh knows something about that, yeah. Yeah. Disneyland and Disney World shutting their doors, canceling people's reservations, pushing them back to opening. They just announced this past week that they're actually pushing back when they're opening. That sort of gives you an idea of how serious it is when they are normally super careful and want to be as open as possible because they're, they're shedding millions of dollars every day when their parks aren't open. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, I'll tell you this, and I wonder when it's going to start happening is, uh, at a point here in the very near future when it becomes obvious that uh, all of the uh, of the stupid little sayings, all the stupid rebellion, all of the things that, that people did of calling it just no more than the flu and, uh, you know, and the people, I mean, I'm talking about people in charge here. When it becomes obvious that these things were wrong, uh, that they, that this is going to cause setbacks for, uh, for a long period of time, and it's going to impact us in in ways that uh, you know a lot of us should have seen coming. 
uh, I wonder what the the outcome of that's going to be. I wonder if it will make some people wake up, and and I wonder if there's going to be a large amount of outrage about just how bad it's going to be because I think it's going to be. Uh, you know, we I was wrong. I thought it wouldn't. Uh, I thought we would get through this fairly simply because I thought we would do the things on the front end uh, to make it better, but uh, we just haven't. We started strong. Yeah, city of New York. Mm-hmm. The city of New York could be way worse right now as far as cases. I mean, they're doing so well relatively that they are restricting travel from the southern states. Yeah. 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 They, they look like it was an apoc- apocalyptic movie in March, April, May. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I just got, a, I got a feeling. Yeah, there's another thing that's going to happen that there's no way to avoid it, and it pains me the most. Even when we get a good vaccine, and everyone in the industry talking to me says, December, December, January, mm-hmm. because they're spending billions of dollars on multiple candidates and they're just waiting for one to come back good from testing and then they're going to push it out. A hundred million doses by December. Even when we get a good vaccine, people are going to be not lining up for it. Really? No one wants to be the guinea pig. Uh, now, let me jump back in on that before, before we wrap up, Josh, hmm? because that... <clears throat> That goes to something that I think uh, I'm especially sensitive to as an African-American, and Stephen is shaking his head here on the Zoom. He knows where I'm going. African-Americans are accustomed to the government using us as guinea pigs. You know, whether it was the what, what, what happened with uh, STDs and syphilis in Tuskegee, whether it is the uh, even worse which is not using somebody as a guinea pig, but even worse, the forced sterilization of women in North Carolina and other places, whether it is, again, this is not uh, a guinea pig situation, but it's still horrific in my mind, whether or not, you know, then you factor in something like the Henrietta Lacks story, where Henrietta Lacks' DNA and genes were used, you know, for profit without her knowledge, without her family's knowledge, and it took, I don't know, decades for that situation to get rectified. Uh, so it seems to me that, you know, we in the black community have reason to be suspicious because of the track record of the government and the track record of the pharmaceuticals. And I got to tell you, Stephen, final statement here, get you to respond. When I read him the headline that said that COVID-19 testing had begun in Africa, a shudder went through me because I thought, my God, they're going to use people who are at a disadvantage in another nation whose skin color looks like mine, whose culture is connected to mine, to see if this thing works. Why didn't they start that in Europe? Why didn't they start it somewhere else? Why, Why Africa? Because it's low risk. It's low risk for them. If something bad goes down, the mass media is not going to cover it. Yeah. What atrocities have been happening in Africa, even outside of medicine, that don't we don't hear about, right? Mm-hmm. But even 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 bringing that stateside, uh, recently Melinda Gates, uh, Bill Gates' wife, a co uh, co leader of the of the Gates Initiative, said that she hoped and wanted to make uh, African Americans the priority to get the vaccine 
when it was first released in the U.S., that they should get it first because of the disparities and how it's affecting them. And for those of us that know, understand that she necessarily wasn't being malicious, but for those who are perpetual skeptics in the community, (laughs) that immediately Uh sounded like, oh, no, you don't. You try it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, after you. No, please, after you. Vacuum, it sounds nice. But taken within context, now it's like, no, you take a sip first. I'm, I'm yeah. good. Thank you. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Switch the glasses back and forth. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Here, I'll take yours. You take mine. Uh, it's something. It's something that's a huge concern because I know even when it's validated, we're going to have an uphill battle not only in the black community, but but in the South and in areas where people are are very distrustful in general. Uh, who who people aren't going to line up. It's an, it's such a fight to get people to take their flu shot. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, and you know, and and then also in addition to that, it's just uh, you know, in a lot of areas, especially in Alabama, finding people to to be able to administer it uh, to folks in certain neighborhoods mm-hmm. are going to be a, is going to be a huge problem as well. But listen, uh, Doctor Lahine, we we really appreciate it. it's been great, and the the information that you have uh, given out to people, and and hopefully some of the frustration and common sense as well. Uh, maybe we'll prompt some people to make some changes, and we really do appreciate it. Thank you all for having me on. All right. See you soon, Stephen. At uh, Dr. Lahing, he was a uh, good man. He's good. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have a uh, infectious disease expert who you're friends with from uh, from your college. You know, most most of the fr- people I'm friends with from my college are just infectious disease recipients. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't even know what to say with that one. <laughs> oh man, that's uh. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, you know, you tell the truth, man. Tell the truth. It takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. Listen, they're good people. They're good people. They're good people. Good people. They're good people. They're good people. But, you know, y'all got them too. Don't act like you don't. Don't act like y'all. Look, look, I was just running through my mind. Such good people. I know. Hey, hey, good people get STDs too, though. Uh, uh, yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. People are just out having a good time. Uh, luckily for most of them, there is a vaccine. Yeah, and it's, yeah. or something. Yeah, and, if, and for some of them, if they would wear a mask every day, it would help a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, Dr. Lahine, very good. We'll uh, we'll come back in a few minutes here, wrap this thing up, a little more conversation, and uh, right wing nut of the week. We're out of here. All right. Welcome back here. That's uh, as I was telling uh, telling David right before we came on. I've got myself all wound up in the uh, oh, in the yeah. little gap in between here, and I I should I should do this podcast one day with just all the cuss words that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll have to put a warning at the beginning. Uh, oh, to, we'd have to do a parents, you may want warning. to put your children in another room. <laughs> yeah, just say, uh, just say, you know, Hamilton is coming out on Disney Plus. Yeah. Third. Yeah. And, and so, uh, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, uh, that created that thing has, uh, agreed, uh, to, to bleep out, not, not bleep, but, uh, silence out, uh, two of the F words. Oh, uh, because okay. if you, if, if you have more than one, uh, uh, they automatically put uh, R rating on it. 
Mm. And so he he did two of the three, and to get it down to one, and so now they put a PG thirteen rating on it so the kids could watch. And, because you know, kid, the kids have never heard an F word. No, no, yeah. never. especially not at my house. You know? uh, but anyway, what? All right, so so David does not know about this story. Uh, right. I, I mean, or you may, I, but I we haven't discussed it. Right. Uh, let me say, let me put it that way. Um, but there have been few things, few things that have that have made me angrier uh, or made me more frustrated with the government that we have and the government that the people choose to have. Okay, yeah. then this key. Yes, we're voting the them in. Yep, they're, they're being voted in. That's right. Then, then what is taking place mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. in the parking lot at Alabama State University? Oh. Because in the parking lot of Alabama State <clears throat> University, okay. there are currently. Hundreds of uh, hundreds of unemployed people from this state who are going there and waiting overnight in the parking lot, overnight, to be able to see people who work for the Department of Labor so they can fix common, simple issues with their unemployment claims because they have made a mistake in filing something somewhere along the way or their employer hasn't filed something that needed to be filed or some other little simple thing hadn't been filed. And so these people who've been out of work for COVID-19 who are due this unemployment stuff that they've been paying in on taxes and their employers have been paying in taxes for all this time so they can see somebody to get that simple shit fixed. Hmm. And they've been sitting in the parking lot now for seven weeks doing this. People have been there. They see 300 people per day, and that's it. No more, no less. Doesn't matter what time they get finished. If it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they pack it up and head the hell home. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Leave these people sitting in the parking lot. There was... Oh, I mean, AL.com did a great, uh, Connor Sheets uh, with AL.com huh. uh, did, did, a, did a really good story talking to, he talked to a lot of people in the parking lot here. And I, I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to read just part of this Please. thing. And you can go to AL.com and find this uh, there. And I'm going to write a column about it uh, for tomorrow. And I've asked the governor's office and some other people for some explanations on some things uh, here. And, um, uh, Connor said, more than two dozen. So just before mm-hmm. you begin, though, I want to make sure I'm understanding. So you're saying people, they will leave, and they will leave the people in the parking lot, and those people either have to stay overnight or return again. Yes. And this is the only place in the entire state for this. There's no place in Mobile. There's no place in Huntsville. There's no place in Tuscaloosa or Birmingham. you got to go here. The the first lady. I mean, I'll just read some of this to you, okay? So, uh, the, the first lady he talks to is Nora Hardy, 62, first person in line for help Wednesday morning. She doesn't have reliable transportation, so a friend drove her from Mobile to Montgomery, where she secured a spot in the lengthy queue at around 7 p.m. Tuesday. He's interviewing her on Wednesday morning. Oh, my God. Yes. Hardy, who was laid off from her job at a car rental service earlier this year, sat on a folding chair overnight. 62 years old. Overnight. Come on. Sat in this damn chair overnight. To ensure she would be able to talk to a Department of Labor employee about restarting her unemployment benefits after they were canceled six weeks ago due to an error that she made while filling out a claim form. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Hardy said, listen to this. Hardy said she spent seven hours waiting for assistance at a Department of Labor career center in Mobile, only to be told that her issue could only be resolved if she met with one of the department's employees inside the Dunn-Oliver Academy in Montgomery. I don't, you know what, there's so much that's wrong with this, but I want to start with something very fundamental. Why can't these people be serviced online? 
why can't <laughs> man there's so much wrong with this they, they asked them uh, uh connor sheets asked them uh during this why why they couldn't why can't they make appointments to show up when they needed to show up why couldn't they? Why couldn't they get people on the damn phone to well, talk to them about it? That was going to be the why, next thing I said. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why couldn't they do any of these things? Well, they don't have the staff. They don't have the employees. They don't have the resources. They don't have the means to do that. The look, I'm, let me find the part here in this story where she explains to him. <laughs> um, Tara Hutchinson is the spokesperson, and listen, I, you know she's going to take a beating o- over this. And, yeah. and, and but you yeah. know what? It's it's the same as, as something happens at a business, and this is the person they've trotted out to yeah. take the heat. All yeah, right, that's right. Um, yeah. uh, we're doing this. We're doing this as an added benefit to our claimants in order to provide them an avenue to get face to face time with our employees. You know. We've heard a lot of complaints that it's only in Montgomery. Well, the fact of the matter is that all of our unemployment compensation division is located in Montgomery. There are no employees located statewide to do this in other locations. Well, then why the hell don't you dispense them? Uh, Disperse them. Dispense them to other low parts of the state. I, they have... they got unemployment offices across the state. They have between six and ten employees helping these people. That's that's the that's the that's the number Are of people. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. The now, service three hundred people a day, only mm-hmm. six to ten people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, but but wait, okay. So, asked asked if it's okay. reasonable or fair to expect people to wait outside for hours for help with basic unemployment issues. Hutchinson said, "As to what time the people arrive at Alabama State University, we have no control over that. Again, it's completely voluntary." That's a pretty damn cavalier attitude. To you have know what? Let me tell you what. People's lives. Let me tell you what. It isn't voluntary. If that's your only source of income, yeah. and you would like to damn eat, that's that right. ain't voluntary, that's man. Mandatory. Uh, yeah, that's or mandatory. you need medicine. That's you right. need you need health care right. of some sorts. Your kids got to eat. That's that ain't voluntary anymore. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, that is freaking cavalier, man. I, an appointment system, she says. Number one, we don't have the technology to do it, and number two, how would we even enforce it? They don't have the technology to do what. I, to take appointments, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I call the doctor's office, and the, and she writes it down on the thing. And, I mean, I understand that you're talking that about thousands sounds, of people. That sounds idiotic. Uh, I, I don't know what she meant by that, but it sounds idiotic. We don't have the technology. Almost every person in the state probably has at least one cell phone that works in their house, if not two or mm-hmm. three. I don't, I don't understand why this can't be done, why this can't be facilitated through... The online usage that we know most people have through their cell phones, mm-hmm. even if they don't have laptops or desktops. Yeah. So the, the state of Alabama hasn't had an unemployment offices in 15 years or more. <laughs> you know what I'm telling you? Oh, when wait I, when a minute. I, no, yes, they do. They have unemployment offices. What is she talking about? We, <laughs> we all came well, in with reduced staff due to low unemployment. That can't be right. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. They came in from reduced staff, not from low unemployment. They came in for reduced staff from 10 years of austerity shit from the Republicans that have been in charge of this, uh, this state government over here. That thing has uh, the Department of Labor, like many of the departments in this state, have been cut uh, more by more than 60 percent over the course of the last 10 years. Even in good times, even with a roaring economy that we've heard uh, endlessly about uh, from these people over the last few years, this is 
uh, that that's what happened. They just continued to cut and continued to cut and continued to cut to the point to where they now lo- can no longer serve as people. And even in a time of crisis, yeah. th- this is what bothers me about the whole thing. All right, we've known now this has been going on for seven weeks. This right here has been yeah. going on for seven weeks. Yeah. We knew at least three weeks before that that this was coming. Yeah. We we all talked about it. The governor yeah. talked about it. Everybody talked about it. Why in the hell has nobody devoted any resources right. to go to training these extra people to come in and, and provide? Because it's pretty basic stuff it's, that's going is, on it's here. It's a state all emergency. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's pretty basic things that are happening. All right. Yeah. You, you're talking about filling out forms for this or that. It, it would take somebody, you know, just walking through the system and, and, and figuring this thing out with some people here. You could service thousands of people a day. And I don't understand what she means when she says there's no. I'm looking right now at a website, Alabama Career Center system. That's a career center. That's not an unemployment office. They can't. They can't disperse any funds. They can't disperse any payments. They, you can't apply for unemployment in there. You can only go in there to the career center and get help with uh, uh, with training and those types of things. You can't do. You can't so do they any can't of those adapt things. in a time of crisis like this. They oh can't adapt no, David! What do you mean adapt? Oh well, the only thing we can do is just let people sit in a parking lot and bake. That's the only thing we could do. That's unconscionable. I, I, I'm telling you, man. I, there have been few things that have that have irritated me more than this right here, and the and the comment and uh, listen. I, and I I like uh, Gina Mayola from the governor's office. Uh, I, I do, but <laughs> Gina Mayola, spokeswoman for Governor K. Ivey, said via email that the Department of Labor is doing all they can to help Governor Ivey get Alabama and her people back on their feet, which includes hosting these in-person times and venues, which are above and beyond that of the traditional methods. The governor believes that the people of Alabama deserve nothing less. That they would allow this situation to occur mm-hmm. where people have to travel from all across the state to this one location, wait overnight or that, or and probably more. There are probably people that camp out there beyond just a day or two, mm-hmm. based on what you've described. And that's the only way that they can get help in a time of crisis mm-hmm. is beyond me. And, 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 and while they may not have unemployment offices, I didn't realize they didn't have unemployment offices open anymore. But if you've got these so-called career centers going, you know, in various places, why not adapt those? Or why not some other state, I don't know where, maybe public health or mm-hmm. any place where you have state resources it seems to me there ought to be some kind of strategy implemented to deal with what is a crisis situation. Yeah. Because people, like you said, are depending on this income to live. Yes. To live. Yes. And I mean, we're not talking about a lot of money here either. It's $237 a week max. Yeah. Um, uh, let me tell you the story of James Murray. James Murray drove to Montgomery from Tuskegee early Tuesday, hoping to see a Department of Labor representative later that day. But he was already too late. He got there at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so he returned that evening to secure one of the first spots in line to see someone on Wednesday. Uh, we got here last night at 9 o'clock. That's the only way you can stand a chance is to come that far ahead of time, he said, uh, a few minutes before 5 a.m. on Wednesday morning. On March 15th, the 71-year-old, was laid off from his food service job 71 years old due to the coronavirus he received unemployment checks for six weeks mm-hmm. but said they were discontinued in may when the department of labor claimed he had committed fraud by working 
while receiving unemployment benefits. Mm. He denies the allegation, saying that he has not worked since he was laid off, but was told by a department employee that the only way he could make his case that he did not defraud the government was to appear in person at the Akinon. Wow. Wow. At 71, he's got to go through all of that. Uh, he said, I hope to get reinstated because I do have email correspondence from my employer stating that I haven't been working since March 15th. I don't care how much or how little it is. I'm entitled to something. And he's right. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is right. It's what, it's what yeah. unemployment tax and all these taxes are for. That's it's right. for, for these stuff. Right. I mean, people get, oh, God bless. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, there have been few things that have mm. been, uh, just made me angrier than this right here. Well, you know, what you and I both know is that in this society, and I think there's a real puritanical streak that runs through states like Alabama. Mm-hmm where you see this a lot more. And yes, I use puritanical specifically because of the religious connotation. Mm -hmm. There seems to be an almost vindictiveness and a a spirit of despising people Mm -hmm. who are are less fortunate, Mm -hmm. who are poor, who are underprivileged. And there almost seems to be uh, a conscious attempt... Mm-hmm. To make them suffer, mm-hmm. oh, or no, and and or to dismiss them as as scam artists yes. or as people who are lazy or deadbeats yes. or or something along those lines. Uh, um, <laughs> this is uh, I'm trying to find it. Uh, Francis DeMario uh, and, and her husband were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he worked at, at driving a truck. She she works as uh, owns her own landscape company. Uh, people can't afford their power bill. Never mind getting here. Mm. Should I spend the fifty dollars on the power bill or to come here today? She said, mm. "I'd much rather be working than having to sitting here having to be sitting here dealing with this because this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If there were work, it'd be a whole different story. And believe me, I've looked. I'll paint. I'll build a fence. I'll do whatever anybody asks me to do." Mm. And and that's what you're talking about. These aren't lazy people. Mm-hmm. These aren't people that. I mean, most of these people are older. They don't. You know, you talk about doing it on the online or whatever. You know, they they get. Uh, they don't understand the technology necessarily. A lot of the times, they don't understand what what's supposed to take place. And all they need is somebody to offer them some basic help on, on filling out the forms and tell them what they did wrong that they need to correct so they can keep eating. You know, and the fact that we can't do that, yeah, or that we have treated them in this way, and let's be honest, the reason that we've treated a lot of them this way is because a good number of them are black, and they're black sitting and in a poor, parking lot, and they don't, and we don't care. And and of course, I'm going to throw this in: the Secretary of Labor is an African American man. That, but I, I'm going to say this too: I don't, I, I the, where I blame him for this is not not raising hell about it. Um, uh, you know, and, and he and, deserves every bit of blame for that. Yeah. I've met him, nice guy, mm-hmm. uh, but there's something yeah, ridiculously wrong. With he is. I, I know. I've talked to him. I've talked to people who've talked to him, and mm-hmm. I know that he's he, he is. You know, he's tried and and worked and done the things that he can do the best he can uh, to try to get things resolved. But <sighs> I, I mean, if you this is happening like three blocks from the governor's mansion. Okay, mm-hmm. this is happening a few blocks from the state house. Mm-hmm. Th- these are people in everybody's district from all over the state. Mm-hmm. So why isn't somebody helping them? 
I, I don't understand. Why does it take the media to go down there and show these people sitting in the parking lot and then me write a column or us do the podcast and, and for uh, you know and it to cause outrage before anybody gets off their ass and does anything? It's a damn shame, and they ought to be ashamed of themselves. And I mean, and I mean the governor mm-hmm. who's three, as you said, three blocks away. Yeah. You know, the Secretary of Labor, mm-hmm. he ought to be ashamed. He should be. He ought to be so angry about this. He ought to be demanding from mm-hmm. the governor and demanding from the legislature yeah. the resources needed yeah. and the Dude. policy adjustments needed to rectify yeah. this situation. And standing out there every day, you know, and, and, yeah. and screaming every at people. Every freaking day he should be out there or in somebody's <sighs> ear and... and until they either fire him mm-hmm. or until he gets so incensed that he's just got to resign and protest. But he, but that to me ought to be his position. Yeah, I, I just, I just can't, it, I can't fathom how you can leave people sitting in that parking lot. Like I can't, I, don't either. I can't. I and mean, sleep we're at night and go June, home and sleep at night. June in in Alabama, yeah. you've got people sitting in an asphalt parking lot. Yeah, at, at, you know, and and listen, let me tell you this. Uh, the folks at Alabama State over there have been going out taking them water. Uh, they put together uh, uh, packages for them with little snacks to God keep them up, uh, letting them go in and use the restrooms and uh, you know and, and all that. Uh, and and so they've done everything that they could, um, you know. And and you know, because you know, Quentin Ross is a decent person, uh, you know. You know what? They ought to be organized. You know, and God bless them for all of that. They ought to organize a march. They ought to march from Alabama State down to the governor's mansion and set up shop there, march and rally and protest, get the media to focus on that, and then maybe that's what it'll take. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's probably a pretty good idea. What they ought to do is just go down there one day, and all the people who show up who can't get in Mm -hmm. uh, there to to have their issues fixed, they ought to just, uh, they ought to take them. Uh, Everybody ought to march down and just set up shop inside the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. Just sit there. You know, mm-hmm. make them arrest them. Sit in. Yeah. Yeah, sit in. That's of course, right. I mean, it just causes more problems for them. Then they've got, you know, they have to get bailed out. And, um, the, well, that's true. But, I, which is, you know, but uh, there's you got to do something yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, to it's, shame it. the government and from the governor, the secretary of labor, the legislature, to shame them all into addressing this thing. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I, I mean, and. And I know sometimes it just takes people stepping back away from it or, or for somebody to get outraged and for them to realize that, hey, wait a minute, this is what we're doing here and right. And, right. I just I don't understand how you could ever think that this was I mean, okay. They, to, I, me, I, to me, it's so simple, Josh. I mean, if I'm the Secretary of Labor or if I'm the governor or if I'm a, a Alabama state legislature member, mm-hmm. all you have to do is put yourself in their shoes. Would you want your 71-year-old uncle mm-hmm. or grandfather or grandmother Sitting out there dealing with that. No. No. I mean, yeah. Oh, it just drives me. It drives me insane, man, to think of. Oh, God bless. It just, it just, it really does. Uh, oh, I, 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 you know, the, the images of those folks just sitting out there and uh, day after day after day. Uh, <laughs> it's not a good look, Alabama. Uh, it's not a good look. No, no, it's not. It's not and a good look. I just, it's, um, you're going to, I missed that story. You're going to have to send that to me. I'm, I'm on the AL.com website now trying to find it. Um, and I don't see it, but I'm going to find that story or you can send it to me. I, That's I, I, crazy, I should, man. I, I will. I'll, I'll be happy to send it to you. It's, uh, crazy. yeah, it's, it, it, uh, you know, I, I have be been working on it, uh, you know, on doing something, um, 
for for a little while uh there because you know it'd been going on for for some time mm. and um and it just I, I i thought that at a point they would see the need and they would see the things that were going on and they would they would get it fixed but it just hadn't it hadn't it just every every single week it just keeps keeps going and going and going i i, I just uh, I guess you know what. At this point, I'm just people get it now. If you if you don't get it, you don't get it. You're not going to. So it's uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll move along here and 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 uh, and wrap things up with our my uh, uh, right wing nut of the week, which is um, really has been the right wing nut. Uh, probably of the last decade, and that is uh, uh, Texas representative. Isn't that where he's from? Louis Gomert. Gomert. Yeah, Louis Gomert. He's from Texas, Texas. or Louisiana? Wasn't uh, it? I'm pretty sure he is on his. He is from our from our friends over in Texas. Go contributed this clown to the to the whole thing. Um, so uh, they they were having a uh, a hearing. Uh, House Judiciary Committee hearing yesterday uh, from two Department of Justice attorneys uh, who said that uh, improper political influence uh, had been used to warp multiple cases there, and they they were ha- they were having this hearing. And um, the chairman of the committee, Jerry Nadler, uh, was decided to give one of the witnesses an extra two minutes. This is his prerogative. He's chairman. He can do do that mm-hmm. uh, to finish to complete his opening statement. He had a written open statement that he that he submitted. Uh, he had tried to pare it down, uh, and it was going to be just a little over that. And he had a couple of points he asked to make and uh, gave it to him. <laughs> Louis Gohmert began banging on his desk. Is the portrait of Edward Levy that a Mr. Recent Chairman, I would ask that, they, uh, that the sergeant at arms Witness be called good. upon to stop the disruption of this meeting. I can't hear this witness. This is a very important witness. Yeah, well, he's way beyond the chair. And if there are no rules about when people can talk, there's no rules about when you can make noise. The gentleman makes a a good point, and the chair will enforce the five-minute rule. Witness continuously banging on his desk while he's talking, while a witness is speaking at this hearing. He continued to bang on his desk and bang on his desk and bang on his desk and, on his desk and uh, essentially disrupted the entire thing because he didn't like what the witness was saying. In closing, it needs to be said that Bill Barr does regularly lie in ways that, that impact official action. Mr. Chairman, there's not order in the room. There's a, a banging. No, there's certain. Mr. Chairman, would you have Gene Krupa removed? Uh, and and his excuse there was, well, if we're not going to have rules about the time limits, then we're not going to have rules about making noise. Hmm. And essentially he's acted like a, a child. He's such a jerk. He's a child is what he is. Uh, he's it's, been this way for a while. Yeah. It's not the first time he's done something. Voted against the lynching bill. You know, it's he's a, such uh, a jerk. He is. And, and that's, uh, he's our right wing note of the week. And it's, uh, and I, I just, I can't, I cannot wait until November when Democrats, when the White House and the Senate and increase that margin in the House, uh, and and God's ears. and let me tell you, I am, I am a firm, hardline believer in scorched earth from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Get everything you want to get: immigration reform, uh, push through police reform, push uh, fix the, uh, get rid of some of these hack judges that they put in there by impeaching them. Get rid of some of them. Uh, expand the Supreme Court for a little bit there to get rid of some of them. Get rid of that 
I, I, I'm telling you, do it all. Scorched earth. Scorched earth. Make it. Make it, you know what? You're never going to force them to do the right thing. Never. Mm-hmm. So you do it while you got the chance. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing and fix voter suppression. Make election day a holiday. Uh, put in play. Put the Voting Rights Act back in your uh, full form. Yeah. 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 Uh, get it all done. Get it all done. Make it to where every vote counts and every person has a right to vote and they can practice it. So. Well, you know, I, I like the idea of just bullying your way through because during the Bush years, that's exactly mm-hmm. what they did. That's, uh, that's what they did you to know. Obama. Yeah, uh, you and, know, and they absolutely did it with yep. Obama, and have continued to use bullying tactics today with yep. Barr and, mm-hmm. and so all forth. those two hundred so, judges that they've confirmed yeah. from Trump, yeah. which most of them you wouldn't let judge a you know a, a kids beauty contest. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, I mean the, the Brasher guy. That they put in from Alabama. Uh-huh. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, look, I watched some some good attorneys in this state turn uh-huh. that man inside out. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like it was nothing. I mean, like it was just another day at the park for. Wow. Uh, and they weren't even trying. Uh, and, and, and it's, I, I they and they're going to try to push that man for the Supreme Court when they get a chance. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, uh, and so a little bit of housekeeping news here before we – right. we're, we're going to take a, a bit of, uh, of of a summer hiatus, I guess they should say. Uh, so we'll be – next next few weeks we will be off. We should return uh, – Hope the, the hope at this point is to return early August. Uh, and uh, and with a uh, with a little bit of a more advanced platform uh, and uh, you know some nice advertising that goes into <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be nice. That'd be nice. Uh, well, I mean, listen, we've 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 done okay, uh, yeah. and yeah. and I'll say this: we, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the numbers have been quite have done quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we're we're in the midst of the COVID, and uh, you know, trying to get some things set up and some things in place. And uh, I think this is a it's a good time to do it. Sure, uh, as well, we saw from trying to get guests on today. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, we we did, and it's a summertime. Summertime, people yeah. get busy, yeah. you know, and that. Should... And I know you need to have time to spend uh, on the yacht with the family, you know, <laughs> sitting said, back, man, sipping on Chardonnay. You got to tell everybody everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but yes, it's uh, you know, we, you know, we will we will spend a little time at the beach and at the lake, and uh, uh, but uh, no, in, in all seriousness, this is it's been fun uh, doing this whole thing and we're, and we're going to continue. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is not a, not an end that yeah. uh, we're just going to uh, hopefully we, we have proven. I think that's what the case is here is we have, we have proven that this thing can be successful mm-hmm. uh, with the numbers that we've shown. And, and so I think we're now going to, we're going to make it a little more uh, professional and, uh, and do it upright. Sounds good to me, man. All righty. Uh, that's going to do it for now until, uh, until we see y'all next time. This is Alabama politics this week. Have fun kids.